0: CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Estate planning and getting our house in order go hand in hand, whether you're getting your actual home and set for fall or spring or winter or whatever that might be, or planning for your future and your retirement future. Why you need an estate plan is topic of conversation on the podcast here this week on the show. So thank you for tuning in to Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash, CPA and CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates. And we are happy to back be back and chatting with you folks and doing our show as we usually do. And as I mentioned, the seasons move. Well, fall is moving its way in. Uh, this should be right at the end of September, dropping in October here, or right, right at the end of September, either way. Uh, as we do this this podcast. So it's starting to get a little crisp outside finally, which is good. Don, what's going on, my friend? How you doing?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Mark. The last time we spoke was just after Labor Day, right? Right. And now we are like a week into the fall season officially. Of yep. course, last, mm-hmm. I think Saturday Technically, was yep. the official. Right. And the days are getting shorter, which I don't like, of course, but <laughs> the humidity is... And heat is gone, which I love right, which is right. great for being outside.
0: yeah well I mean it's it's that time of the year right the crisp weather starts to come in looking forward to it after a you know a long summer and all that good kind of stuff. so it's enjoyable to have that happen And you know now that summer uh, you mentioned September, obviously the the local summer the last time we were talking in your area since a lot of people from you know New York have gone back to work or school things of that nature so you had the beach more to yourself um, has that uh, how's that going? Is that still still happening? well you
1: know as we spoke about off air it's been very nice but we've had a lot of rain yeah right and, yes. and we've had a couple of storms right we had uh Ophelia, Ophelia who just yeah. passed by and what was the other one that that just I, uh, I can't before... remember the name of
0: it. there's another one right now in Florida too so yeah. as we speak so
1: yeah it was another one before that it's it I'll tell you it was nice we try to take um you know besides the rain of course when the weather is dry and sunny we try to take long walks yeah on the beach bike rides get to some of the local restaurants that are just too busy in the summer time to get to. And you know, the problem is sometimes you run into the issue of not enough workers mm. here at these restaurants since the college kids are back at school and um we get kind of caught up sometimes in slow service because of that. And I
0: guess it's just a downside of, you know, general worker shortage. Well it's a trade off too, right? So it's like, okay, now the restaurants aren't as busy, but you may have some longer I mean, even though it's the same thing about longer wait times for waiting for a busy restaurant, it's longer wait times when a really slow restaurant, because there's just not enough staff, but, but you don't have the noise. So it's a trade-off, I suppose. Right. You know, depending on how you look at it. Well, you know, we are, it's also because we're right here at the beginning of October, kicking off here. Uh, that's also starting the fourth quarter, right? So it's kind of the end of the year is already here. So we're into the fourth quarter of the year before you know it, it's going to be all the Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff. As a matter of fact, my wife had on the Hallmark channel and they were like starting October 21st, the countdown to, Christmas. I'm like, what? That's not even Halloween <laughs> yet, right? And I know how Hallmark loves to do their Christmas movies, but still, it's like, oh, here we go. So we got to talk about getting ourselves in order, getting you know our house in order. So legal documents, getting things in order. And in that regard, Don, I want to talk a little bit about wills, powers of attorney, uh, living wills you know, some of those kinds of things that people need to look at and I want to keep this kind of high level. Cause Lord knows there's a lot of stuff we can get into, but I thought this would be a good idea this week.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned moving into the fourth quarter. I always think of like football analogies sure. with the yeah. fourth quarter, right? It's like all games are won in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. So we got to make sure as we talk about estate planning and things like that, that, you know, we, we don't blow it in the fourth quarter right. of life, right. Just to use that analogy. But it's hard to believe, as you mentioned, where, about into the month of october um actually i was just reviewing my year end uh planning checklist which is hard to believe mm-hmm. right so on the topic of of legal planning it's not specifically only really a year end item although mm-hmm. families you know tend to get together this time of year on the holidays yeah, so it true. does open yeah. up the opportunity for good conversations. Yeah, no, that's
0: definitely a good point as well. I didn't even think about it that way. But uh, yeah, so we're around each other a little bit more as the holidays are coming on. So it's not always the most interesting or pleasant of conversations, but it's really important, especially for retirees. Uh, And even pre-retirees, you know, if you're over 50, starting to have more of these chats. So Don, let's go through some basics. You know, what legal documents should people have in place and what exactly do each of these documents accomplish? And of course, you know, disclaimer, right? Neither Don nor I are attorneys. So make sure you always check with a qualified professional on any of the conversation pieces we have about anything, whether it's financial or legal. Uh, you always want to talk with a qualified pro on that, uh, on those topics. So make sure you that you're doing that. But we want to cover some basics here because obviously, as a financial professional, Don, you you run into this a lot with folks when you're working with them. So there's a lot of confusion as to you know what a will does, a financial will does, versus like a power of attorney or a living will, a trust, so on and so forth. So let's talk about some of that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, Mark. I mean, there is just a lot of confusion surrounding these terms. So it, here are some facts, though, to consider. One, I just looked this up today, okay. actually. 67% of Americans have absolutely no estate plan.
0: Wow, right? that's hefty. Think about that.
1: Yeah. 57% don't have a will. Mm-hmm. 70%, think about this, 70% of Americans over the age of 55 do not have a power of attorney. That is, that's pretty hefty. Yeah, that's shocking.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely as, you know, especially going through some medical events, I had to do a few things, you know, medical powers of attorney and things of that nature, which is another layer as well. So uh, again, let's, let's talk about a few of these things, you know, which one kind of shocks you the most out of those?
1: Yeah, I think that last one about the power of attorney for me, Mark, really does. But, you know, when I speak with, with clients and, and I speak with many people about this, there are quite a few that have legal documents in place. Of course, all of our clients have their legal documents in place. And even when I speak with prospective clients, they have some documents in in place. Often they're quite old, right? Mm -hmm. And they need to be updated. So the conversation we're having today is going to be a good opportunity to refresh some people on the terminology, right? If their documents are old. But many people, I think, need to be thinking about their own kids and grandkids. Because those who are in their you know, 20s and 30s and even 40s. That's a generation who often neglects this type of critical planning.
0: Well, to your point about them being old, the documents, some, there's certain things that we just, I don't know, where we get them and we throw them in the drawer and we're like, oh, all right, I did it, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, and it's over there in the drawer and it's good enough. So let's go through them, dust them off, see why they are, or see what they are and why why we need them. By the way,
1: that's very common, as you mentioned, they people have documents that are 20 years old. Oh, yeah. They had them when their kids were young and they need to be updated. So simply speaking, these legal documents determine who gets your stuff when you die and who takes care of you and your stuff when you're not alive and disabled. When you are alive. When you are alive, right, and disabled. So let's go through each one, right, starting with the most important, while you're alive. And here's a question. Which one do you think is that document, the most important document when you're alive?
0: Of the three we covered? Yeah,
1: of the the documents we just went over.
0: The power of attorney.
1: Correct. Yeah. Right. That's it. You know, people often get kind of hung up, Mark, on the will. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Which is important. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, think about it. The will determines where your money goes when when you pass away. Right. Uh, The power of attorney determines really who does what you can normally do when you're healthy, for you, when you're alive and disabled. So that's why it's the most important document that you should have in place when you're living.
0: Yep, exactly. So give us an example.
1: All right, so he- here's an example. Let's take a scenario of married couple. Okay, right? most folks, right? Yeah, a disabled man, a healthy spouse. All right. So here's the definition of the power of attorney, defined. It's a legal document that involves the ill person in this case, the husband, who's legally known as the principal, right, giving right. a healthy person, in this case, the wife, legally called the agent or attorney in fact, right. Okay. So people don't really have to get too hung up on the uh, terms when they have one of these, but it's good to know, like you know, what these terms mean when they're reading them, right? Right. So it gives the the attorney in fact, this the uh, the healthy spouse in this case, the authority to act on his behalf, right. So it's used in the event of a a sick person's temporary or permanent illness or disability, or when they can't, you know, sign necessary documents for themselves. Right. So the sick person must choose a power of attorney who they trust to handle their affairs for them. And, and here's the key: the sick person really needs to get the power of attorney in place when they're healthy, right? You know, years prior, not when they're sick. So. Another point to consider is really everyone over age
0: 18 should have a power of attorney. I'll tell you why a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll circle back around to that here. So a couple questions for you as you were going through that. Are there different types of powers of attorney? I mentioned medical earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it only kick in when a person becomes disabled and does it need to be a family member?
1: Yeah. These are great questions and they're, you know, pretty typical when we're doing estate reviews with attorney. So first of all, there's basically five types of oh, powers okay. of attorney. I did not know okay. that. At least three of them are typically included in a full estate plan. So All here right. they are. There's a durable power of attorney.
0: Which I think many of us have heard that.
1: Right. We'll get to that in a moment. There's a springing hmm. power of attorney, a general power of attorney, a financial power and medical power of attorney. So okay. most estate plans use a general durable Power of attorney, a springing power of attorney, Mark really only springs into effect when you become disabled. Oh, <laughs> clever! Okay. So think about that. In theory, it sounds good, but what exactly does "disabled" or "incapacitated" mean? And you know, it often creates problems. And this is because uh, the process of determining whether you're incapacitated isn't, you know, really always so straightforward. Mm. So, regarding estate plans, typically it's durable and general are used, and and keep in mind that you're here's a, a point that people tend to not think about. If you have that durable general power of attorney, your agent always has the power to use your power of attorney, and not only when you're sick. Oh.
0: However,
1: however, they're legally required as a fiduciary to act in your best interest.
0: Okay. So that's what the durable and the general, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they have the, the ability to do things, not only when you're sick, but they have to act in your best interest. Very good to know for sure. Right. Uh, all right. So it sounds like you really need to trust the person clearly, right? Who becomes your agent. And oftentimes yeah. it's usually our spouse, right? Especially if we've been married a long time, uh, you know, since they pretty much can, you know, do the things that you you know want them to when you need them to with that general POA. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, your power of eternity has a lot of power. Yeah, think about right it. Right there in the title, right? Yeah. I mean, they can't do everything
1: that you can do, like, you know, marry you or get you divorced. Right. But, you know, they kind of step in your shoes. I, I like that term. Like, think about that. They kind of step in your shoes and they can do the things that that you, you know, can do for
0: yourself. So they have tremendous power. And, now, and I mentioned the family bit, and I, I know we sort of kind of skirted it a little bit, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a family member. It's just a matter of the trust issue there, right? Absolutely. Okay. Correct. Okay. All right. So let's go to the next bit. What about some of the other ones? You mentioned financial and obviously medical as well. I think many of us have heard medical.
1: Right. That's the one that comes up when people often think of... of if you have to have a big attorney.
0: surgery, they usually ask if you have that prior to things like that at the hospital.
1: Right. Yeah. And we'll get into the living will in a moment. That's kind of the two things that the hospitals ask for. Yeah. So the financial is typically integrated into the general durable power of attorney, Mark. Mm-hmm. That's why if you see the document, it'll have different sections right, on all the powers that the agent or you know the attorney, in fact, that's the person who's the healthy one that they they have right so in the prior example that's the wife right for the person who is uh, the husband disabled and there might be like 15 or 20 different sections it goes through a lot of detail often but it's things like banking investing you know conducting business if the person's in business uh, paying taxes the medical treatment right that's inside there that's the financial and the medical stuff and but keep in mind you know, gifting is is really that's the area, Mark, where people really have to have that complete trust Yeah, in the individual taking that's
0: taking place. Yeah, and I could see that. Right. So when you're talking about that trust factor, what if the power of attorney is is not trustworthy? I hate to say that, Don, but can they like gift themselves money? You know, that's the issue, right? That's where you're, they're a fiduciary, so
1: they're legally required to act in your best interest. But that's the concern people have on gifting in their documents, right? So sometimes there's they put clauses in there, right? Like you can't gift any more than the annual gift exclusion. That's that $17,000. It used mm-hmm. to be $16,000. That's the amount. Like okay. there would, would be like yeah. a restriction on there. And unless that's, it's that's a, the annual
0: number, right?
1: Right. Unless it's the spouse where the spouses are generally, you know, there's not that kind of a concern. Gotcha. Right. I think people are sometimes afraid that their kids are going to gift themselves, you know, money where they should. Right. But, they're going
0: to gift their, oh, here's a million dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay.
1: that's why if you have a power of attorney, you should pay close attention to that gifting clause and know that your power of attorney, you know, had that right. Okay. Can you have more than one power of attorney? You know, that's a good question too. And the answer is yes, you know, you can. Uh, typically in a marital arrangement, you know, the the spouses name each other, right, as their respective agents or powers of attorney, as well as typically, Mark, I see at least two backups in case something happens to the spouse, right? So it's called the successor power of attorney. It's typically a responsible family member, like an adult, a child or sibling, and uh Sometimes they're co powers of attorney, like it'll be your two kids gotcha, acting right. together, or you would have, you know, your son first, then your daughter, or vice versa, or a sibling, or someone like that. If you're, if you're a single person, but here's the key, you know, again, just know that they have a lot of power.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, what happens if a person gets sick and disabled without a power of attorney? Yeah, that is really where you run
1: into problems, right? If you think about that, right? So you're a sick person. And there's no power of attorney. So that's where, you know, if you don't have a plan, you do have a plan. It's called the state plan. It's the state where you live. They, they take over and that's where the rules of the state kind of step into the process. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say a husband has a 401k or an IRA and he's saved for many, many years, husband and wife, and the value is $1 million. And he happens to be out cycling one day at a charity event. He falls off his bike and hits his head. And his wife wants to access the funds for normal living expenses. Okay. She's kind of out of luck. Really? Yeah, she can't because the bank or the custodian won't even speak to her because she's not the owner. Mm. Right? He's not the owner of the account. And he's not
0: passed away.
1: He's not passed away and he has no power of attorney. So... Mm. She, in effect, is kind of locked out of the account. So hmm. just imagine this. What happens if, let's say, turn the clock back not too long ago, the, in the three years ago, right? During the first two months before COVID hit in mm-hmm. January of 2020. If this happens then and she notices, wait, he's got way too much money in stocks. and it sounds kind of risky and she wants to make some changes. She can't do it. Hmm. Right. So keep in mind, it's even more important for a single and a non-married person to have a power of attorney because of these kind of instances. Yeah, because
0: there's like who's going to be looked at for that kind of stuff. Right. So, you know, maybe if you're a bit younger and you're not married, not maybe younger, but even like 20s or 30s or whatever the case is, maybe that's still a parent. Right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh just having someone listed. So how does a person get uh, a POA at that point if it seems like it's too late? Is there anything you can do? Yeah,
1: like I said, it's where the state you live in takes over. Mm -hmm. You know, in this case, you would need to file for a guardianship, which is costly and time-consuming, and who knows how long it's going to take. So, I've seen it happen, and and this is where people just don't think this through, right? Mm -hmm. They think that hey, because I'm married, that you know my wife can do everything. Right? Yeah, I I think
0: we assume that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's not the case often. So, I'll give you another example where people get blindsided. How many people? Have a power of attorney for their kids when the child turns eighteen years old.
0: Think about that. Yeah, I didn't do it, so I would guess very few.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's something that really has to be thought out ahead and brought up. So, what happens if your child or grandchild, in this case, is way at college, gets sick, or you need to access yeah. <laughs> financial or medical information? They're from an adult. Yeah, yeah. That person's you know no longer a minor, and you have no authority over them. Yeah. So it can be a real real headache at that point
0: yeah that's a great point you know i didn't even think about that when our daughter was off at college right it's you you can't talk to about those things because they you know, they're no longer a minor. She's in the Navy now, right? So she had to fill out some forms in that regard. So that something happens to her as a single person that we're able to get that information. So, yeah, great point. What happens for those folks that are in that position?
1: You know, Mark, I find out when, when the, my kids, when they went off to college, the only thing the school is interested in is you paying the tuition. That's it. Yeah,
0: that's the only thing they want to talk to you about, yeah.
1: That's it. They'll send you the bill, baby. <laughs> mm, you got it. You got but it. after that, you have no rights. You zip so, yeah. So if they were in the hospital, you know, the doctor, here's the the downside, the doctor might give some kind of a treatment to your child or or grandchild that you really oppose. And even, you know, you know that your grandchild would oppose or your Mm -hmm. child would oppose if it were financial and there was an issue and you had to step in or deal with the school. It's basically whatever the school rule is or whatever state law says. So a simple solution is to be really
0: mindful to get that power of attorney for anyone over age eighteen. Okay. Two questions: What's the best way to get one, and are they costly? People are probably thinking, wondering about that. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I would suggest going to an
1: attorney. Mm-hmm. right. You can also get these online. Right. Mm-hmm. So the online option is the least expensive. Okay. Right. But I find it's best to really have a relationship with a. A trusted attorney, even you know, at a young age, this doesn't have to be the the eighteen year old or twenty year old, you know, the college student that has a relationship, but the parent does. So you know, it's one of these things where it pays not to be penny wise and pound foolish, so to speak. That's I know it's an old saying. <laughs> nice, but,
0: <laughs> breaking out the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like
1: to get the relationship. It's important, I think, to have that trusted attorney in the family, in the life, uh, just to make sure that everything is kind of organized and and documented.
0: Okay. All right. That last example you gave us kind of gets us back around to the thought of the, the medical power of attorney. What's the difference between that and like a living will? Yeah, that's
1: a question that comes up a lot, Mark, right? So a, a healthcare or a medical power of attorney gives someone else, you know, that's, um, they typically, they call that the proxy. Remember we talked about the, the power of attorney, they, they have different terminology sometimes right. in yeah. this healthcare document. It's the ability to make decisions for you regarding your health care, like the example I gave before regarding the college student. So yeah. the living whale well is at least in where I am, it's also known as an advanced health care director.
0: Okay. Many of us have heard that too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's the term. So it focuses on your preferences concerning medical treatment. If you develop like something like a terminal illness or an injury, like a brain injury, brain tumor. Mm-hmm you know even alzheimer's disease head trauma that causes your your ability to lose brain activity so uh, the medical care in the in the living will includes more specific instructions like tube feeding assisted breathing you know resuscitation other life-prolonging procedures. And the, the language often gets confusing because the word will is in there, Mark. And, right. And people kind of get confused and it, it really, it differs substantially from the financial will.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe that's why advanced healthcare directive has started becoming more the norm. And, and so that's probably a good thing, right? Because it separates that uh, in the mind a little bit. So, all right. So we've got the durable power of attorney, Medical power of attorney, the living will, and the last item we haven't reviewed is the basic, the normal will. I suppose, right? We we think, tend to think of that as you mentioned from a more financial standpoint. Yeah,
1: I mean that's the the call that the last will and testament, right? right so right. I mean, and and even within these other documents, Mark, I mean, we even haven't talked about things like the things called HIPAA forms and anatomical gifts. Well, we said we were going to go
0: high level, Don. There's a
1: ton of stuff. Yeah, we're not going to get too much in the weeds, but there's other like sub documents too, funeral arrangements, things like that. But the last will and testament, legally speaking, the last will and testament, it's the the legal document that communicates a person's final wishes regarding their assets, right? Their stuff, right? Their their savings. It provides... Who gets what? (laughs) Who gets what, right? You know, we've seen these old movies where you're sitting in the, the attorney's around, office yeah. and the will's getting read and all the heirs are there waiting to hear what they get. So it gives specific instructions about what to do with their possessions, right? It'll indicate whether the deceased leaves them to a person, a group, uh, or donate them to charity. And it also handles matters involving dependents and minors and trusts and Management accounts and other financial interests. So it's basically where you want your money to go when you die.
0: Yeah, there's a current commercial uh, that they they do for I think it's Chewy.com where they they send out box you know stuff to your pets. Right, it's uh, uh, you order things for your animals. And there's a cat. They're doing that that scene that you just talked about where the whole uh, the whole family's you know hearing the will from the attorney. And, uh, the, the cat gets, uh, deliveries of chewy in perpetuity. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then he also gets the summer house and the family's all upset about it. And he's like, well, you got the train set, Todd. That's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, they're still doing that kind of, uh, uh, image that you described there. Um, all right. So this only back to this though, it only affects certain assets, right? It's, it's not just every single thing or is it everything? Yeah, that's a you know a good point
1: that's often overlooked, Mark. You know, for many people, a good chunk of you know their estate value it doesn't pass to the heirs through the will, right? Yeah. You know, commonly these are things like your IRA, your four hundred one k, right? Life insurance proceeds, bank accounts payable on death, things like that. So. If your will states that, let's use an example, if your will says, leave my assets to my wife and your IRA lists your brother right. yeah, yeah. as a designated yep. beneficiary, it's your brother who gets the yeah. IRA, not your
0: wife. Yeah, and we've talked about that many times, the, the beneficiary designations, the BDs, um, that trumps a will. So, you've got to make sure you have that stuff right to your point. You could have it listed that you want uh the cat to get <laughs> to use my story. You want the cat to get everything, but it's what the beneficiary designation says on things like your 401k or IRA. So, absolutely. Yeah. And, and here's a, you know, it's a
1: notable example of, that will hit home. Maybe we'll, we'll throw up a link on this. There was a case of a teacher in New York City who listed her mom and her sister as the beneficiaries on her 401k that type of retirement account when she started her job in her Mm twenties. Right. So she got married in her thirties and died in her sixties and never changed her beneficiary designation. Uh, So when she died, since her mom had passed away, you know, years prior, her sister inherited her whole retirement account, which I think was close to a million dollars. And the husband got husband got nothing, even through multiple lawsuits, multiple courts, he ended up with nothing. So yeah, they were married 30 lesson. years and he got nothing. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 30 years. Or I think it was even more than that. So yeah. here's a lesson always check the beneficiary forms. It's on our year end checklist.
0: Yeah. Uh, somebody taught me a cool way to remember some of the things. There was called the Ds, on uh, the big Ds. So uh, upon a death, make sure you check those things. Upon a disability, check those things. Upon a divorce, check those things. Right. Uh, so, you know, use the big D's to remember to update your beneficiary designation. So just a little, little tip to help you remember that. Uh, all right. So anything else regarding the will? You know, I like that three D's, right? It's I the, think there's four yeah. actually too. I think the fourth one's a decade, at least once a decade, I think. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: sensible. I'm going to write that down. Four the, D's. The four right? D's.
0: Well, you know, Although 3 D's pen, I- pretty good too, because you know, the 3D movies or 3D, you know, whatever Ooh. you want to go with, right?
1: You know what? 3 or 4D. Yeah. There you <laughs> it's go. It's going in the
0: it's going on my list. So, there you go. Yeah, you know,
1: here's a what I would say just know what your assets affects, right? you okay. your well, right? Typically, your will, it it affects assets like your real estate, your furniture, jewelry, like you were talking about the Chewy commercial. right? You know, so-and-so gets the jewelry and the furniture, you know, a lot of bank accounts and non-IRA assets and non-life insurance assets. So the key person involved in settling the estate is called the executor. Or the executrix if it's female. Mm -hmm. And like the power of attorney, you should name backup people, right? Backup executor or executrixes. Uh, And keep in mind, though, the executor has a lot of responsibility. The reason is that the executor has to go through something called probate, which is just a a legal term meaning proving the will, okay? And the executor is also a fiduciary, right? So there's a lot of. Responsibility on his or her shoulders. And ideally, like the power of attorney, it should be someone who is ethical, organized, financially capable, strong minded, ideally compassionate because it's a legal process. It might take some time. And essentially, it is a, a very big job.
0: Yeah, you think about many family dynamics, right? And if you've got multiple kids, a lot of times you'll, you know, you'll see where people pick the, uh, I suppose, the maybe the eldest or the strongest, right? Or whatever the case might be, the one that's maybe in the the best position to handle that uh, executor or executrix job. So, yeah, certainly something to keep in mind there. Any other thoughts to keep in mind?
1: Yeah, you know, we'll go through. I think maybe we'll do another show because we got so much here about like some of the specific tips and strategies to employ. Mm -hmm. But one comes to mind that if you're charitably inclined, it's best to think about leaving a portion of your IRA to a charity uh, instead of, uh, you know, money and cash in your will to a charity. Mm -hmm. Because you think about this, but the IRA has never been taxed. And if you leave it to a charity, then nobody pays the tax. Nobody has to pay the tax, yeah. Right. So if you're leaving your, for example, the IRA to a child and you're leaving money in the will, like say your CD to a charity, you should consider doing the opposite, right? Leaving the IRA or portion of it to the charity and the money, the CD money to the child. Because if you leave the IRA to the child, they're going to be paying taxes on it. So this is something to consider this, you know, as I mentioned more, there's so much more than this. And, and this is really,
0: I think, why proper planning is so essential. Yeah, absolutely. So again, if you've questions when it regards to estate planning, and obviously many financial professionals uh, work with folks on dealing with legacy planning and estate planning, and then they bring in attorneys if you don't have one, usually have recommendations. But it's part of having that team to help you with the things that you need. And on the financial side, that's what Don's here for. So as a CPA and a CFP, certainly uh, well-versed in those conversation pieces that we're going to need when it comes to our financial side and as well as some of the, the legal stuff. But of course, he's not an attorney so you want to make sure that you're referencing that with an attorney as well. So give him a call, get on the counter, have a conversation, whatever you need to do. Find him online at donaldcash.com. Great way to just get started. Visit the uh, the website there, lots of tools and tips and resources and things to check out. Donaldcash.com or call him at 800-664 1183. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Your Money and Your Life with Don and myself here, as we hopefully bring you some useful nuggets of information on our show a couple of times a month. So as always, we appreciate you. Don, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services
1: offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.